This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Deceptively Fast Podcast. My name is Seth Payne. I played 10 years in the NFL. I now host a radio show in Houston on Sports Radio 610, where obviously we talk a whole lot about football. So on the podcast, we talk a lot about football, but more on the human side of things. I don't break down the technical stuff as much. Try to get into the interesting, what was it like to be a player then and now and all of that other good stuff. I bring on my friend Drew Hodgson once a week, and he's on today. He played collegiately at Arizona State, played in the NFL for a few years, and he's a really interesting and funny guy. So I encourage you to subscribe, leave a five-star review. That would help out a lot if you so choose. If you want to reach out to me personally, my direct messages are open on Twitter, at Seth C. Payne, or Instagram, at Seth C. Payne. Enjoy the show. There's not a whole lot going on in the NFL right now, other than the fact that there's teams embroiled in playoff hunts and whatnot. I, I see that Indianapolis has decided not to show the scores in the stadium during their game because they don't want the players to be distracted by by potentially knowing what the outcomes of other games are. I don't know. I, I feel like this is a, a little bit overblown. And yet as a player, I don't think it would bother me at all. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I can appreciate it because there's always one guy who is easily distracted by those things on every team I've ever been on. There's oh. always a guy who did. So I can see it, but it's, it's a also... really it's that's a really good point, actually, because all it takes is one guy that won't shut mm-hmm. up about it on the bench. Right. It's like looking up at the clock and be like, oh, wow. Did you see, did you see Tennessee just scored on, on Houston, which is that's the one. I think that's the only game because those are both late afternoon games. So I think that's the one right. game that that people would be scoreboard watching. They could actually impact it, right? I don't know. Uh, yeah, you know what? Okay, now that I'm thinking about my own experiences, I could see me being that guy that got distracted. It, it's tough because I think sometimes you 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 reminisce and you live in your own mind about it and you go, yeah, everyone was just thinking the exact same way I was and was yeah. not thinking about it. And then you stop and you really recount all the teammates you ever had and then you think like, nah, they were, <laughs> there were a lot of idiots on my team. I mean, Every- there were... Everybody was all over the place with everything. Like, yeah. there was a there was a documentary about the '93 Oilers, and 
there was all kinds of drama and stuff going on. That was the year that, you right. know, Buddy Ryan punched Kevin, Kevin Gilbride. And they interviewed, I, I think it was Warren Moon that said, you know what, honestly, until people interviewed me about this stuff 20 years later, I didn't have a clue any of this was going on. It was just all, there's so many dramas that go on and a football team is so big. You're right. I, I think pre- people on the outside might think that, it's like uh, like a high school football movie where everybody gets out and goes to the kegger on Friday nights and y'all you're all best buds and everything. It's not like that at all. Everybody's everybody's off in their own little cliques and some guys are older with families and some guys are young and jackasses. Well, it, it, it's interesting too because even though they they really do come from all sorts of different backgrounds and all walks of life, I mean, you find a way to make it work because you're so competitive and you understand that the best scenario is for all of us to just you know put all that stuff aside and just be cohesive as yeah. a unit. So you always find a way to kind of make it work, even though there's guys like from the deep, deep south and then like Pacific Northwest and, you know, racial boundaries and all that stuff. But I mean, you know, yeah, as soon as you get off the field, it's like we're not all we're not all hanging out. I had the hardest time understanding what people like kids from rural Georgia were talking about. And it wasn't like it wasn't it didn't matter if they were white or black. It was uh, just thinking about like the big melting pot kids from rural Georgia. It's almost unintelligible, which is weird because (laughs) because people Atlanta sound like they might as well be from pennsylvania you know yeah. like they know people yeah. from atlanta you, you a lot of them you'd never <laughs> guess they're from the south then you yeah. get to tifton georgia it's like dude i don't know are you scottish what are you even <laughs> that's gaelic yeah that's gaelic <laughs> i did not see that coming right uh, the other the other story that came out just this afternoon was uh, terrell owens was on this bleacher report video i think it's a face facebook live series um with Master Testafslan, I don't know if he, I don't know who Master Testafslan is, but you can check it out on the Bleacher Report. But the, the, do you remember the old story of Donovan McNabb and how he supposedly was throwing up on that final touchdown drive in the Super Bowl? Because there were people, uh, there were, um, it, it was the final touchdown drive that put them within reach, but they still would have had a score again. But the criticism was that. They weren't they weren't running a hurry up offense. They took way too much time up off the clock. Right. And there was a story that Donovan McNabb was like almost throwing up in the huddle that he was that he was dry heaving in the huddle. And Donovan McNabb has come out and said, no, I was just uh, I wasn't. Look, there's no film of that. A couple of his teammates said that it looked like he might be dry heaving or something. I think Brian Westbrook said he was just coughing. So there's all kinds of all kinds of stories about what he was or wasn't doing in the huddle, but it did seem like his conditioning might've been, been an issue. So Trell Owens comes out on this show on Facebook today and says that, yeah, he was throwing up and it's because he was out drinking the night before the game, which, which I guess, which I can't imagine is going over splendidly well in Philadelphia because Donovan McNabb already has the, you know, kind of a, a, a weird relationship with the city of Philadelphia. Do you, Right. Do you believe Terrell Owens when he comes out with something like this? I feel like if, if it was Brian Westbrook or somebody coming out with this, then I might I might really raise my eyebrows. I don't know if I can trust T.O. on this. Can I? No, you can't. No. Hey, I mean, has anything good ever come out of Facebook Live? I feel like I've only ever seen head headlines related to Facebook Live that have to do with something horrible. So that that's one. And then two, it, has anybody ever had like less credibility than Terrell Owens? Like he's not he's not getting called to the stand. 
for well, he always yeah, I mean, anything. And he's because he he's got no ethics about the stuff that he's right. said either. Exactly. Like with Jeff Garcia, yeah. remember he kind of hinted yep. that uh, about Jeff Garcia's sexuality. Like, yeah, really, really yeah. messed up stuff to be airing out in public. Um, the only thing he ever did honorable before towards one of his quarterbacks was to to teary eyed, be teary eyed in defense of uh, Tony Romo. Yeah, which came off more like it was about him and his own need for attention than yeah, anything Yeah, that else. was a whole lot right. of look at me, I look mean, at how noble yes. I am. Yeah, he was like, like he, I'm, I'm crying hard on camera. He yeah. was like a guy defending a woman on the internet even before. <laughs> yes. He yes, was he white was. knighting Tony Romo, right? Like yeah. He was like, yeah. hey, look at me. And then in the hopes that he would look good and then maybe get, he'd get a few more balls thrown his way. I right. guess the one, the one thing I would wonder about, let's say, let's say that there is some truth to this, though. Um, Let's see. He was like John Ritchie and Lito Shepard have gone on record saying that McNabb was suffering from dry heaves or vomiting. There's no video evidence that exists. Uh, Hank Fraley, remember him? Honey yes. Biscuit, yeah. Honey buns. Honey buns. Fraley, the center. Oh uh, yeah, all of it. He said in an interview the day after the game that McNabb was almost puking due to two large hits from Teddy Bruschi and Jarvis Green on back-to-back plays. Oh, that's a very different narrative. That's going from you're hungover and throwing up to uh, you're so tough you didn't even acknowledge the, yeah, the damage yeah. your brain took. McNabb, like McNabb himself denies that he really was vomiting or dry wow. heaving during the final drive. Westbrook later claimed that McNabb was mer- merely coughing. I guess it's I, it's a shame for Donovan McNabb that any of this even comes out. I feel like there are other quarterbacks, and I, I say it's a shame for him. I feel like it's almost a, <laughs> it's an indictment of his leadership ability that any teammates would even do that. Like I feel like if, if Joe, yeah. Ma, Joe Montana could be vomiting actual whiskey in the huddle, and none of his teammates would have ever said a thing about it. Right. And, and, like- that, and that's kind of it, right? Is that it comes down to it's just a little bizarre that anyone would out you in that way. If it were only Tio, but you said there's a couple other guys that have kind of hinted at it too. And then yeah. he also has kind of, I mean, I don't want to, not necessarily a, a rumor monger per se, but he, you know, he was in Phoenix and all through, even when I was in college at ASU, like he would float around there because he would train there in the offseason in Scottsdale. And he always just kind of had a little bit of a, there was like a funny energy. Around no oh uh, mcnab oh really yeah yeah like, like out in old town like, you know? like hanging yeah. hanging out in a, with the college kids type of thing yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um well th- this is what i wonder because and this is going to sound weird but if to or excuse me if mcnab were a guy who habitually drank the night before games right. that's not desirable and yet I know at least one really good quarterback who like had serious alcohol issues who drank supposedly it was told to me that he drank pretty hardcore like every night of the week and every night before the game. Um, I didn't play with him. It was nobody. Don't nobody try to do the math. So I like if that were true and I, and I suspect that it is true with this quarterback um, that's almost like, okay, well that guy's got a serious problem. I could see McNabb being the guy that didn't habitually drink the night before games, but because of the moment, either like kind of lost his judgment and did something crazy or was like so stressed out that he, that that's why he drank. Right. Yeah. I, am, um, am I, am I wrong in being like more dismissive of somebody that like, that, that's, <laughs> I, I'm I making, like making light of a potentially devastating dysfunctional relationship between success and, uh, and, and alcohol abuse. Well, no, okay, no, no, I've drank, no. I've drank the night before big events before when I knew I shouldn't be drinking, never a football right. game, but like other things, well, I drank the night before like, a marathon. The first time I ever ran a marathon, I drank the night before it because I was like, I was staying in a hotel room and I was like, well, this, 
I just can't sit around here all night and do nothing. <laughs> so I got a six pack and drank. It's like, that was really dumb. What am I supposed to do? Not destroy my body before I, a, a physical event? I felt like it would relax me and I wanted to be sure I could sleep. Did it, it work? Wasn't, no, I don't. I've, I ran a slow marathon at 280 pounds. So, yeah. Right. No, right. I, don't think it, I don't think it worked at all. I think it was really dumb to do. But I never would have done it. I never would have done it before a football game um, or anything. Else. Like, a marathon, I kind of just wanted to finish it. So it wasn't well, like I guess I is, is, is the question that, you know, it's, it's a uh, – <laughs> we're, we're bemoaning the fact that he may have – consistently done that to try oh, no, to I'd be cool with that. better or is, yeah right <laughs> okay no no i'm serious i'm serious not if he yeah. okay it's it's not what you should do it's really bad to do but the, it almost it, if it were a habitual thing then that's what you've dealt with the whole time versus if you all of a sudden are freaking out and you're like oh it's a super bowl and i'm losing my mind and all of a sudden, that's the night you decide to start drinking. Right. That's yeah, where agreed. that. That's where I feel like that's more of an indictment of your your ability with to withstand stress or pressure. And I say that as somebody that just admitted to drinking a six pack the night before a marathon. <laughs> I say that as someone who collapsed under the pressure of a marathon. So, yeah. the night before. A marathon yeah. that nobody was going to be watching. And, uh, <laughs> no. There was absolutely so nobody. Low. Nobody even knew I was running. <laughs> I, I think I was more just I was drinking a lot back then, Drew. It wasn't. I, yeah. I think I had just been reading a book about some Navy SEAL that was like running marathon. And you know, go, those guys that go out boozing and then show up there, like hockey players. The hockey players I hung out with in college, we we like, I I would drink with them until four thirty in the morning, and they'd have like a five thirty a.m. workout, and they would just off they'd go. Yeah, They're incredible. all like phenomenally conditioned athletes. It was crazy. Yeah. Not all of them. I mean, not all of them were drinking like that, but some of them. Yeah, but the ones that really drank were so impressive. What yeah. what's the what's the most pressure-filled situation that's acceptable to use alcohol for to, to to calm your nerves a little bit like if you were if you were given like a speech at a wedding or something i feel like most people would be i don't i think there are very few people who would say like okay unless you're an alcoholic yeah it's it's no big deal i think most people would say it's no big deal if you have a drink or two to loosen up before you give a best man speech at a wedding Oh yeah, for sure. It's definitely all relative to uh, the situation. So you can be like a little loose, a little greased up for yeah. for a, a best man speech. I've given three of those, uh-huh. and and they all I, stellar reviews. Three out of three, yeah. five stars. And you're so, probably it's just like playing darts. You need to be at the right level of <clears throat> exactly like, like two or three drinks yeah. help you with darts versus yep. seven, eight, nine. You're missing the dartboard altogether, and you're. Remind and you're telling everybody this story about the time the groom hooked up with one of the bridesmaids. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah as is appropriate. Um, <laughs> but you know, I probably not uh, job interview. Not, not, maybe not. Oh, that's um, a, yeah. The job interview depending on yeah. the culture of the organization. But even then, fair. <laughs> yeah, you want to be sure that too. it's the guy interviewing you that wants to. That's a tough one. That's a tough one when you're sitting. You know what I hate is when you're at a um, you're a lunch, you're at a lunch or something or a dinner with somebody that's like your maybe you're trying to impress or you're yeah. you know they're they're a potential client or whatever. I don't like when they come to, I don't like when they ask you first if you want to drink. Yeah, like yeah. I don't, and it's uh, now as I get older, it's not a big deal. But I remember when I when I was like in my twenties, I used to get really stressed out about that. If I was if somebody's taking me out to lunch and. They're like in their forties and wearing a suit and seem very mm-hmm. mature and responsible. Like, do I, 
I have no idea if they're drinkers or not. I'd like a drink, but I don't like could be teetotalers for all I know. And, um, and yeah, that's why you I just get, get, you get like a virgin daiquiri or a cocktail. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. So it's, that's you a, look nothing, like nothing will impress if it, if it's a guy yeah. from some company that's like hardcore sales and these guys go out booze and all. Right. Time. You're refined enough to know what a good cocktail is, but, <laughs> yeah. but you're not going to have the booze cause you're a professional. I think the, the times that I've gotten in trouble have been with, um, things like, yeah, I would say certain legal things and everything where I've gotten nervous. I'm like, ah, just have a drink. I'm just going to have a drink because I'll just I'll relax a little bit. And then I can feel like halfway through some lawyers trying to explain something to me. And I'm like, oh, this is a bad <laughs> idea. Is it a bad idea to have that drink that was actually probably like three drinks because I poured a pretty tall drink? <laughs> <laughs> Why do I always do explicit document review after an old fashioned? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I used to say that about Ryan Mallett. Because Ryan Mal, there are always rumors when he was coming out of college they had issues, oh, and, right. and who knows if that was fair or not. But uh, when when he was in Houston and he had like these repeated issues of you know not waking up on time or what have you, um, I always felt like it would actually be better for him after a point if he did genuine. Like it would be better for him from a higher ability standpoint if he genuinely had an issue because otherwise he's just an immature jackass. Like if you genuinely have a substance abuse issue, well, that's a real issue. And the great thing about those is you can treat them and you can show that you're going to treatment. You know, the honey badger did an incredible job with that. But if you're just a 25 year old jackass, like people lose, people lose patience with quarterbacks real quick. If they're just 25 year old jackass. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Plus, I mean, everybody loves some kind of redemption story. I think even GMs and managers, they love because they kind of feel like maybe we we are, we're able to explain away whatever deficiencies this player had for a long time. Yeah. Through just thinking that like he hasn't been polished. He's just got this minor addiction problem and we can all fix that. And it is. Well, plus, I mean, there's just so many players that, that, have I say so many? It's quite a few players. That yeah, just na- name them, Seth. I mean, well, I, well, I just I did. Yeah, just... Tyron Matthew, <laughs> damn it! I said it. It was Tyron Matthew. Yeah, many, Ryan, many, Ryan many Leaf more. And, yeah. You know, you know what? Um, Jimmy Smith, the receiver. Jimmy Smith had his oh, wow. his cocaine yeah. issues, and he. You know the funny thing about him though, he came back and he played for a while, and then I think he. I don't think he, I don't think he had legal. I don't think he had any trouble with it again until after he was done playing. So he actually kind of crushed it. Some of the players I know that have had issues with either cocaine or stimulants didn't start until after they were done playing when their lives kind of started going haywire. Like Ted Johnson. Ted Johnson was like a straight arrow when he was playing for the Patriots. Ted Johnson was a linebacker. He won three Super Bowls with the the Patriots. And and he was just like Joe football, you know, like did everything the right way. And when he got done with football and, and he'd had a bunch of real bad concussion issues, like playing through concussions his last couple of years, he just went off the rails when he lost all his structure and uh, he ended up with, with serious issues. So there's another, there's another uh, check on your favorite, by the way, because he did sound like he, well, like, he didn't have the issue when he was a player. Who am I thinking of? Um, uh, what's his name? Josh Gordon. Now, Josh Gordon. Completely That's right. Different story. Yeah. Josh Gordon has had a, had a weird go of it. This is a depressing topic. Let's move on to Mike Tomlin. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Mike, Something uplifting and, and exciting yeah, and energizing. This is Brooke yeah. Pryor is. Yeah. On, this, on this slow football news day. Brooke Pryor from ESPN wrote this story about Mike Tomlin's weird sayings. It, yeah, apparently, he says a whole lot of stuff that's not quite Yogi Berra level, but it sounds very coach speaky. So I wanted to I wanted to read three of these and see if we could if we could if we could tell what he's trying to say, even if it doesn't quite make sense. 
Because Yogi Berra would do that sometimes too. Yogi Berra would say things like, well, nobody goes to that restaurant because it's too busy. You know, like, right. It's dumb, but it does kind of make sense. Like, okay, yeah. nobody I know goes to it because it's always packed. It's a pain in the ass. Well, and there's, I mean, there's like the classic that I feel like everyone, we've all heard the coachisms, but there's like the uh, don't, don't mind the horses blind, just load the wagon was one that I had heard a million times. Oh, and that's one that, that before. Um, you've mind, never heard that? Don't mind the horses blind. Just so don't worry about that. Almost sounds like, hey, don't worry that the, your coach is a jackass. Just, uh, just there, load up. There's it. It's one. It's definitely one of those where you don't, don't, don't take a hard look at this one. Just, yeah. Just, so yeah, don't you know, worry about where. Don't worry about where you're going or how you're going to get there. Yeah, just, don't worry about just the get details. To work. Just do your job and everything will be fine potentially. Like, don't worry about the things you can't control. But yeah. if you're about the metaphor, it's like nonsensical. That's a really good one, though. I like that. Well, yeah, taken literally, you'd be in, you'd be a moron if you didn't worry about the horse being blind. Right. Um, but actually, one of these ones that Tomlin said, if I could find it, is a lot like that that I like a lot. Don't be patient. Just work while you wait. Like that. Like that's one of those ones where I, I knew what it meant immediately until I had to try to explain it, and then I had to think <laughs> about it for a while. That's what yeah. it is. Don't don't be yeah. patient. Just work while you wait. So, okay. So, like, he said that to his, some practice squad player. So, I guess what he's saying is you're going to have to wait. But just because you have to wait doesn't mean you have to be patient. Like, you can keep working. And it's like some things are just flat out going to take time. So, you can't, you don't get, don't get impatient. But if you're going to be impatient, be sure you're actually working and doing something about well, it. Well, and I, th I think it's saying, I mean, there, the football does have a fair amount of hurry up and wait in it yeah i mean even when you're on one side of the ball or the other and you're just waiting for you know the defense to get off the field or something like that i mean it's making use of whatever time you always have and that you can draw that out to the off season you can draw it out to you know between workouts or anything else so i mean it's i kind of i like that one i think that's the thumbs up this is the one i know that th this one i'm torn on and, and if it makes you feel any better, a lot of the players in this article, like Ryan Clark, after a couple of these said, like, I don't know what the hell it means. <laughs> like, yeah, that's Ryan Clark. He speaks professionally for a living. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, this. We show up in stadiums. Yeah. Um, I, I think that because usually oh. what cause usually yeah, I hear that and I almost think like that's something that a player would say, like when he's saying like, oh, are we talking about practice. It almost feels like, you know, I show up on game day, but he's definitely not saying that. I think he's no. saying like, we are like, listen, so he'll say to the team, we show up in stadiums. I think this sh I sh we show up. We show up in stadiums. Well, I think what like, he's saying is they, they don't shirk from the moment. They don't. Yeah. Shirk from yeah. The moment. They're there yeah. during prime time. They're if not, it's a stadium. You know, if it's a big moment they're going to show up it's they're there on game day they're ready to go right? like you would you had said in stadiums we show up like, uh like, i mean I, he strikes me as one of those kinds of guys that he's doing it with such vigor yeah that it's sort of like almost anything can come out and people are just going to roll with it they're kind of giving him the benefit of the doubt which is like the best part of being a coach i think half of the stuff you say is like garbled nonsense and people just roll with it make it fitzpatrick you know what i think i think the way that he delivers it. Tomlin delivers it. Um, might have a lot to do with this one because Minka Fats Fitzpatrick loves this one, and it's pretty basic. Like I guess Tomlin, instead of saying "Have a great day," he'll always say "Make it a great day." So you just wake up with that mentality of "Oh, I'm going to make it a great day. I'm not going to hope that I have a great day. I'm not going to have a great day because that's kind of passive. I'm going to yeah. make it a great day." Which, uh, 
okay, that's cool. It's not poster worthy, but I guess it's a way of like, if you get in the habit of saying that all the time, it's, it's, a, it's a microcosm, right? It's like a yeah. microcosm of his specific outlook. And he's trying to impart that on other people that have agency. You know, you're the one that's driving the narrative for you. Yeah. Guy. So that's good. That's good for Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Nameless gray faces, which uh, I think I think what he means there is kind of like, hey, it doesn't matter who the opponent is or or any like don't don't get too wrapped up in your opponent. You're playing you're playing this other team and this is what that team does, which is interesting. So I think some coaches some coaches really try to personalize the enemy or the opponent, so to speak. Right. And really, uh, I've heard that Belichick will kind of like be like talk about guys with a sneer sometimes try to really pitch you against somebody um maybe tomlin's different i had a coach frank gantz senior who was a special teams coach who was awesome he was one of the best speakers i've ever had as a coach actually i would say the best speaker in terms of getting up and just he was like he was almost like like a popular college professor like people would go to the special teams meetings happily because it was so entertaining well if you weren't on special like i had to go for for PAT field goal block, right? Which like you never get yelled at in that. So you know, like yeah. you go and you hang out, and I would stick around and watch everybody else because Frank Gantz Senior was so exciting. Now the guys who are actually on special teams; they got their asses ripped. They were yeah, miserable. of course. But yeah. he he was a Naval Academy guy. He'd been a pilot in the Navy, and, and he went to the Naval Academy. So he used to talk. It was cool because he was a football coach who could credibly make military analogies without sounding like a complete moron. You know, like without without signing a guy. <laughs> Yeah, I, I had a coach one time show a video. This is a non-military guy. I had a coach show a video of uh, Saving Private Ryan. He showed the landing at D-Day. And after the video, he said, men, what you guys are doing tomorrow is no different than what those men on the screen just did. <laughs> oh, no. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> We're going to get our... No, this is not this is not appropriate, sir. No, um, it's not. We're Cornell, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is a pro guy. Uh -huh. um, so, so I think that it was cool when Gantz would do it because Gantz would show all these Navy SEAL training videos, and he was big into boxing. So, like when he would teach, he would teach tackling and hitting. He would show boxers and how they use the same arm, same leg to deliver a blow and all this stuff. But he would also always talk about how you're not facing the Cleveland Browns, you're facing the Cleveland Targets. You know, you're not, you're not, and then the individuals too. Like you know what? What's his name? I don't care. What's the score? Who gives a damn? Like we're just we're facing the targets. We're going to take these targets down. So I think. That's what I thought when he said nameless gray faces. It's almost like you just uh, like dehumanize the opponent. Did you find that is that is that situational though? Because I always felt like they coaches would pull out those kinds of uh, references whenever you were facing an opponent that you were generally expected to get stomped by. That was usually how it always went down for us. So if, if it, <laughs> like if you were playing someone that you were a three touchdown uh like they were favored underdog you know, like yeah. three touchdowns yeah you were an underdog then it, it was going to get probably pretty ugly potentially early so they were going to do everything they could to not get you fixated on the fact that this was alabama if you're in college or you know if you're having a rough season like you know we were when we were two and 14 you're getting towards the end of the year they're just like don't even day hey, don't even worry about it being peyton manning over there don't <laughs> yeah. even think about it. it's nobody it's not That's, peyton manning so that like, it's a guy it's just a guy yeah, but Tomlin definitely like they're not in that mode. Obviously. Yeah, right. Like, right they're not right, going in there. They're not. Yeah, it's the Steelers. Right. They're not going yeah. into it. That <laughs> yeah, so that's that's fair. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Speaking of the Steelers, I remember we did that. Which coach did that? It was Capers, I guess. 
Oh yeah, when the Steelers came to town in September. Oh, I remember. In and we decided to keep we decided to keep the roof open. And yeah, put us on because the, we kept you know, it. We're gonna, because we we'd been used to the heat. And meanwhile, by the way, I don't know if we'd ever we, like we'd practice more in the bubble that training camp than we ever had before. I yeah. didn't. I didn't really feel prepared for the heat. And we're like, well, this is a northern team coming down, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna take advantage of the heat. And at the time, I was I was like, cool. That's uh, I'm I'm fine with that. The Steelers opened up with like a 12 to 14 play drive. <laughs> yeah. Us. Yeah. Robert Smith got hurt. I think Gary <laughs> Walker was already out on the defensive line. Yeah. It was just, we were screwed. And it was one of those things that, okay, I could see if you pull that against a less disciplined team or something, but it's a Pittsburgh freaking Steelers. Like they're yeah. always, those guys are always in shape. They're always prepared. Like even in their down years, they still, they, they draft a certain time, kind of tough guy, you know? And it was in September, so they'd already at least been through some heat. When some of the northern teams go to play in the south in, like, late October and November, that's when they're not ready for the heat because they've been practicing in, like, 65, 70-degree weather for a month or so. Then then it jumps up and bites them. But- yeah, it was the season opener, and they had been in camp. It's not like they were practicing indoors the entire time. And on top of that, I remember clearly that we opened – the stadium and they were on the shady side and we yeah, were the ones yeah. that were under the under the sun yeah and it was just brutal like we were just getting <laughs> completely beaten down by the sun oh so that was the, was that the two and 14 season yeah oh okay that makes sense then that's how we started it off oh gosh that would a blur that was um okay so this is the one this is the one that i think makes total sense that tomlin says and yet it doesn't make sense unless you put some thought into it and this is the one that ryan clark said quote no one knows what the hell that truly means sometimes. It's such a broad thing, unquote. This is, the, this is what Tomlin will say. The standard is the standard. The standard <laughs> is the standard. I was waiting for a follow-up. Doesn't it doesn't it have a very like Michael Jordan, the roof is the ceiling feeling to it? Like that. Yes. Have you yeah. heard that one? Did you hear yes. when Michael Jordan said the roof? Or the ceiling is the roof? No, he said the ceiling is the roof. Yes, the ceiling is. The I, I agree with both. Like, yes, I, I think what he was trying to say was the ceiling is like, hey, the only thing that constrain you is uh, whatever. Yeah, so the, yeah. The it's all, is a, words are only a construct. I think yeah. what this means is that what he's really saying is that like the gold standard is the standard. So like whatever the standard is, like if we if we look at hey, what's the standard for a good rushing attack or what's the standard for a good pass rush or something. That's our standard. Like you don't even have to think about it. Like our standards yeah, are like I, the, the pinnacle of whatever the standard is. I mean, the most, the most charitable reading of that is he still left out like four words. That's not, <laughs> yeah, he did. And you can't, at you like, there's an asterisk on that and you have to reference the bottom of the page. And then it explains that he meant, the Steelers standard is the standard, the gold standard that we set. It, that doesn't make sense. On its own. <laughs> Have you heard that one before? The standard? No, is the standard? I, no, I haven't heard that. That's that's a thumbs down. What's your What's your least favorite coach saying? Coach speak saying? Oh, I used to I used to loathe uh, whenever they would say uh, give a hundred and ten percent. Yeah, I mean, pretty much anybody who says that it, it it's it's such a cliche, and well, it also doesn't make sense. And it's it, like it's just so like it's it, worn. It's so worn. Well, and especially and, like yeah, if you really, I mean, because that coach, if he really wants the best out of you, I mean, hundred twenty percent. Come on. Yeah, exactly. It's like a, that's a slippery like, coach. That's a slippery slope. <laughs> like how high do we want to go? Like yeah. as long if we're doing made up numbers, like just run this thing all the way to the ground. I like, got uh, there. I talked myself into saying that there was some logic to saying give one hundred and ten percent because. Uh, if if 
And no, no coach that says it is actually meaning this. But if what you mean is give 110% of your previous best effort. So, yeah. Yeah, okay. Come on. Sure, why not? Like, roll with that. Give it 110%. Like if yeah. you pre if you ran if you ran 19 miles an hour before, then run 20 miles 20 wait 19. Yeah, do five, the math on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, do, do, do the math. Yeah. It would be uh. Yeah. Wait a second. It'd be like over 1. 40, 40, 40 more 19. bits. So it'd be yeah. 20.9 to miles per hour. Let's go 20.9 miles per hour on it. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay, I mean, that's... you know, like Dave and I used to joke about this all the time. Dave Anderson, who I mean, you obviously know. I know he was he was on the your other show all the time, and he, uh, we would just consistently. I mean, there were coaches that we were there, like Brian Periani, who was just guilty of doing this all the time, of just like the obscene coachisms that nobody oh. was actually motivated by. Yeah. And so it, we just turned into a, anytime he would do it, he would just turn and he would just say, he's like, you know what? You just don't want to be left in a room without a stool to stand on. <laughs> and you just go, yeah, yeah, that's, that tracks, that well, tracks. I don't, am I changing a light bulb or what's yeah. the... <laughs> why, do I need to, why do why I do need, I need it to stand on? and so he would you know and, uh, and, the, and the one that we would say uh yeah you know it's all just just whether you win or lose it's all just pennies to peanuts yeah. <laughs> that doesn't and i was like i don't think that even, do they convert he something that do he heard or, <laughs> oh know? and yeah and we got we got joe buck to say that on a monday night game actually How'd you do that? Does uh, did, does David Anderson know Joe Buck? It seems like it's yeah, like David it was Anderson. Like a, David Anderson like knows so many people like that would seemingly be above his pay grade. It, like I, it, I it, couldn't it's agree really more. amazing. It, it must is. be like, it's one of the most. For those of you who don't know, David Anderson was a receiver um for the Texans and uh, where else did he play? Uh, he was in uh, Washington. Yeah, I think for a little while he's with the Redskins. I think uh, Denver too for a minute there. You know what? Speaking of the conversion rate, the other the other one that I honestly I've read a couple of these articles um, and I can't figure it out. But it's it's a player that just agreed to a new contract. Oh, it's Russell Okung, and he's big into bitcoins. So it oh, made yes. news. It made news that he wanted part of his salary to be paid in Bitcoin. So now they're going to pay part of his salary in Bitcoin and. And I guess that maybe I need to learn a little bit more about Bitcoin, but like I understand that I understand it's a currency, but like I, mean, I don't understand like what, why can't he just get paid and then convert it himself into Bitcoin? This is like it's like being demanding to be paid in French francs or something, or is the conversion process a lot a lot more complex than than I am, am catching on to here? So that that that's exactly what I was wondering when I read it. Is I was trying to figure out is all he. I mean, all he's really doing is eliminating whatever the, I guess, perceived pain of having to do it himself. Is. Yeah, because like, I mean, it's it, really it, it, all they're going to do is take the percentage and do it themselves and convert it, right? And then just purchase the Bitcoin. Yeah, it doesn't so make I any sense. It's I, because, I, and, and if anything, the... I'm guessing if he's into cryptocurrency, he thinks he's a genius that can right. play the arbitrage and everything. And they're yeah. like, I would, I would under, I would think that he would think that the Carolina Panthers aren't going to do a good job, as good a job of timing the cryptocurrency conversions as, as he would. I don't, I don't. Okay. Well, here we go. All right. Let's see. According to the verge, the headline isn't true. Not accurate. An NFL spokesperson tells me adding that his people are converting some of the money into Bitcoin after he gets paid in us dollars, just like every other NFL team. 
I don't know. Oh, now I'm pissed. I get the cryptocurrency stuff pisses me off. Uh, and I say that <laughs> I say that. No, I know that I'm uh, upsetting a bunch of people and I am admittedly speaking out of my league here because I I understand the the scarcity of it that creates value amongst it. And I know that I know that gold or platinum or anything else doesn't actually have any inherent value either. But it it, it, it bothers me and annoys me that at some level there, it's just still it's, you remember I said, like, I got pissed off that like people think people that get rich growing marijuana when it's illegal think that they're going to be able to make the same kind of money when it's legal like no it, it's not it's not going to yeah. be like that yeah. it's like, that's, that's then not, it just becomes a commodity yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. at some point uh, just because it's a cryptocurrency doesn't change the fact that okay it's like any other currency it's volatile at times it'll skyrocket at other times oh, yeah having absolutely. said that I, th- I think some yeah. people have gotten like super 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 rich on it well as i i mean, I mean those, i guess as i understand people they got they yeah, they laugh at me all you want. I'm I'm admitting my ignorance here. Well, they got they got in early and they you know they purchased like the appropriate amount of I guess you know the computers that you need to be able to use the algorithm to create the cryptocurrency and it was a shorter time like cycle I think to be able to create it and so they were able to get in relatively early and now you need you know warehouses full. Of so the, what can, the what's to to of, what's to prevent us from creating our own cryptocurrency? Like nothing. for me to say like, hey, this nothing. is really scarce. There's only so many of these out there and yeah, I've got. But I would do like I don't want to have to make a write a computer program to have people come mining for it. Well, then maybe creating a cryptocurrency isn't for you. I, mean, I want to make think, I um, want to turn people into. No, no, no. I want to do it. I want to turn people into unwilling or unknowing like currency holders or bearers like uh, i'll turn unknowing. it into, yeah yeah i'll turn it into a huge scavenger hunt where it turns almost into like i'll plant the currency on somebody and then you got to go figure out a way to get it from that person um or maybe i'll give it maybe i'll maybe i'll i'll create a currency but the people i give it to aren't allowed to use it i'll pay them to guard the currency and then it's up to you to figure out how to get the currency from them yeah, I that's I like that plan. I think it's creative. I think it's bold. Yeah, I think um, you sound like an entrepreneur. I think you, you got a good head on your shoulders. I think, or you can have you know I can sell someone some uh, cryptocurrency, and then they get two people to buy some more cryptocurrency, and then they get two people, and then before you know it, right, you right. have an army of people buying my it's, cryptocurrency. It's uh, it's not and, it's not a pyramid scheme. It's multi level market. No, no, no. It's so, a cryptocurrency scheme. It's a, it's not, no, it's, it's not a pyramid not scheme. scheme. It's, it's multiple scheme. levels that go upward in a triangle. Yeah. They get narrow the at the top of, where I am. Shape of a pyramid. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's, there's, a, it's, and it's there's a dollar a sign. No. Uh, okay. So this is the other thing that, uh, that bothered me this week. This is the other big news in a slow, in a slow news week. This guy, Rick Carl from WVTM 13 in Birmingham, of course, or somewhere in Alabama. Um, he, he put I'd something say, of course. Well, because this is about <laughs> this is about Nick Saban and okay. Rick Carl, who's covered Alabama forever, uh, uh, he says something's been eating at me for well about thirteen years. Okay, so he's been thirteen years, uh, and it came to light. Or, oh no, 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 because that was when Alabama, uh, Saban got there. It came to light again today as I listened to Coach Saban's pre-Rose Bowl news conference, which was held virtually today. Blah 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 blah. You see, I have a problem with reporters addressing Coach Saban as Nick. When asking a co- the coach a question, if they don't know him well, I have heard this since the coach arrived in Tuscaloosa in 2007. Questions like, Nick, can you tell me about the progression of your quarterback? Today, I even heard a young reporter get on the call and start her question with, hi, Saban. 
Yes, it could have been the nerves of a young reporter, and it totally was. I mean, like she was you know, that poor girl. Get, people are terrified. I say girl because I assume she was a college kid from the so that poor young woman. Um, she's probably petrified. It's terrifying right. interviewing somebody like like Saban or Belichick, especially Saban of all people. Yeah, yeah. like and it's not, and, and like it doesn't matter who it yeah. is. Like experienced reporters sometimes will get petrified of of guys like Saban. Um, but this guy is requesting of all media members, no matter who you are, unless you're like a close personal friend of Nick Saban, to address him as Coach Saban. Because frankly, after all, I think the man has earned that much respect. Where do you where do you stand on having to afford the football coach the the respect of calling him is uh, calling him by coach? Well, I mean, I th- I think as a matter of just just to make things simple for everyone, it kind of makes sense because it might be a little weird calling anyone by their first name if you've never actually been introduced. It, like that is that can be just awkward. So yeah. it might just be easier just as a matter of protocol to always call them Coach Saban, but. Like on a deeper level, I feel like of all the problems that we have right now, I don't think like not affording enough respect to famous rich people is one of them. So like, it's okay. I don't, I think he'll, you didn't offend his sensibilities. He'll be fine. Yeah. It's not a big deal. Like we don't need to like I don't, idolize I don't, people to the extent that it's an insult. If yeah. Don't. I don't I, like it. Everybody's like little, the point that they, this guy brings up and uh, a bunch of other people bring up is that, Hey, in Alabama, Bear Bryant is known as Coach Bryant. Like, all right, well, great. Yeah. He, he played in a different – like, he wore a suit on the sidelines. Yeah, it was a more formal time. Yeah. Things were different then. People wore suits in this – well, SEC, they still do. But, like, adults grew, wore suits in the in the stands. It was a different time. Yeah. I, it's more casual now. I, that was one of my favorite things about the NFL was when I got to an age where I felt like I could – you know, I, I called the coaches by their first name. Like, I was uh, – I don't even remember what it happened. I guess it was when I got to no, it was yeah, it was when I got to Houston because I'd been I'd called Dom Dom Capers when he was my defensive coordinator. Um, I would never call Tom Coughlin Tom. Some other guys did, but they had bigger balls. <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's like uh, that's standard in the NFL. A lot of guys just call the coach by the first name. Or yeah, I never, name, like, uh, I never or, got to, I never got to that level. I remember Mike Flanagan used to call Sherman. He'd just call him Sherm, or he could call him Mike. And I could, there was that was a. An ex- a plane of existence that I I never even saw any, anywhere in my field of view. Do you think Johnny Manziel called? I, I bet Johnny Manziel had like little pet nicknames for his coaches because he's yeah uh, he's agreeing to resume his playing career with a startup league called Fan Controlled Football. He told ESPN this week. So ESPN comes out with this article. Uh, it's a league that's scheduled to begin in February. It feels like it feels like it feels like three straight years that Manziel's been playing in some offshoot league. Like I, I, he wasn't in XFL, but he was in the AAF. He was in one before that, wasn't he? He was uh, whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, he was in some independent league in Texas that was only a few weekends long. The um, WNBA. Yeah, this uh, this is going to be four teams, each of which will have celebrity owners, including Richard Sherman. Is interesting. Austin Eckler, uh, the retired Marshawn Lynch. So they got some heavy hitters as as part owners. Uh, other owners include. Hip hop artist Quavo, boxer Mike Tyson, and um, oh, that comedian uh, something Menery. I didn't I didn't write down his name, but uh, it, so it's it's going to be seven on seven. It's only going to be a few weeks long, and they're going to be super super. Oh, it's a six week schedule with games live streamed on Twitch from a league leased facility in Atlanta. The games will last about an hour. The field's going to be fifty by thirty five. And they're gonna try to get like they're they're gonna try to really make social media a big part of it and let Johnny be Johnny. They're not gonna tell him, 
oh yeah, the CFL. He's banned from the CFL, right? He right. was in the CFL for a while and like still very mysterious. Nobody knows what happened, but he's not allowed to go back to the CFL. Yeah, what, what? That's still a mystery. Like, what exactly happened there? He was just kicked know. out of the whole country. I don't know. I don't. And now I, he's he's run out of leagues essentially yeah, to join. It, I know from. Um, Roberto Osuna was a reliever for the Astros who had some legal issues up in Toronto with domestic abuse. And I know it was it was very, very hard to get any information from the Canadian legal system. They were they keep everything very, very private. So I don't I don't think Manzel was anything near I'm not into I'm not hinting that Manzel was into anything like Osuna was accused You're of. You're speculating that he hit a woman is what you're saying. No, 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 no. Stop that. Stop That's it. what it seems like shut, you're saying. Shut your dirty mouth. Oh, um, no, but I do wonder, like, whatever, if whatever, if you got in any trouble or like maybe like the privacy right. laws, it, it seems like the media doesn't even try to dig into a lot of stuff up there is what I'm saying. Yeah. You're just uh, I, I think certain things aren't allowed. So if it was some kind of transgression on the team, nobody's leaking it and, and we won't find out. But here he's going to be encouraged to just be Johnny. I feel, though. I feel like he might be a lot more boring than he used to be. I feel like now that he's actually like being set free, uh, I think he's got his meds right and everything, and he's living oh, kind of I, a quiet life. And I, I don't know if the I don't know if he's gonna be. I don't know. Either. I don't know, Seth. I mean, like like the uh, like the phoenix rises from the ashes. I feel like Johnny Manziel is the kind of guy that once he gets a little bit of notoriety, it's just all gonna oh, fall right back. Like I Mickey mean, Rourke and the wrestler. Yes. Yeah. yeah like, oh. I mean, once he gets there's he. It just seems like that's the common denominator. With every time he exits someplace, he gets there. It seems like, hey, you know, I've been reading that he's been training non stop for the last six months and he yeah. was there for two weeks that's, you know? that's I mean, what mickey rourke did in the wrestler he got was, himself in great shape <laughs> he did uh, yeah. hey spoiler yeah. alert real quick if anybody hasn't seen the wrestler I'll, I'll i'll do this in less than a minute you can fast forward and i'll be done in one minute starting right now but the part in the wrestler when he starts after when he's in the bathroom at that bar and starts doing coke and you know that he's got he's already had heart issues by that point right you're just like you can see it coming i've never that's like some of the most uncomfortable like it's a certain type of discomfort that i felt in the theater watching that scene that i can't even quite place like like just watching impending disaster on this guy and how everything's all gone wrong it's uh oh my gosh what a, what a movie that goes on the list of great movies that i'll probably never watch again because it's just too hard to watch. It's just rough. I mean, that yeah, is a like hard a, watch. It's like the Scott's Tots episode of The Office. <laughs> it's exactly like that. Kind of different, but yeah, I can't watch that yeah. again. Because okay, four, three, two, one. We're he back. dies. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Stop it. Sorry, that was one second past one minute. <laughs> that was Sean. <laughs> I thought that was. A, I thought you were doing like the three, two, one, zero. Go. Yeah. Now I'm trying to figure out the, uh, now, yeah, it's, it was 10% of a minute, whatever it was. Um, all right, man, I got to go. I got to go. Uh, I got to go figure out which scores I'm going to allow showed during the Texans game on Sunday. Wait, and, which uh, what? Uh, which, which scores I'm going to allow to be shown in the house during the Texans game on, uh, on Sunday. Just, just like the Colts are doing. Oh, okay. I was yeah. like, is this real? Are you really not being? Oh, no, 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 no. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.